Welcome to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. We'll look back at the semi-disastrous FA Cup loss. We just cannot get past the third round. We'll look forward to the Leeds game, and we'll go look at what you've been saying on social media as well. Look at our new transfer, Marino, as well. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Footballers are like actors. They perform on the theatrical stage, striving to delight their audience. The drama, the anticipation, the emotion, the passion, and the teamwork. It's a spellbinding combination. It was 140 years ago that our cricketing forefathers met under a gas lamp and chose football to fill the dark winter months and for many, their dark, heavy lives. Football was escapism. Aston Villa formed the first ever football league in 1888 and that makes me proud. So much has changed. So much genius has graced our theatre over the years. But I never stop loving every reminder of every jinking run, every fierce tackle, the smell of freshly cut grass and the roar from the whole end. They say you don't choose Aston Villa, it chooses you. Being part of the Claret and Blue family is being part of my family. As a teenager, I was transfixed by the 1957 Cup final on television. Thousands lined the streets of Birmingham to welcome home their heroes. We had conquered England. The 80s were intoxicating. Our seventh league championship. The 1982 triumph over Bayern Munich. We conquered Europe. I remember a rain-soaked night at Villa Park as they paraded the League Cup they'd won at Wembley in March 1994. And in 1996, the thrill of being there at Wembley with my family for the 3-0 victory over Leeds in the final. But from great heights, there has been the pain of defeat. Losing to Chelsea at the old Wembley Stadium in the 2000 FA Cup Final. To Manchester United at the new Wembley in the 2010 League Cup Final. But the lows just make the highs higher. We are at the heart of English football. We have a majestic name, a decorated past. We serve as a shining light among our peers. We are Aston Villa. And here's to the next 140 years. Guys, welcome to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. We are waiting for Spud, but we have Rhino and Tess. How are we, boys? Very well, thank you. Very, very good. I've got a, I've got a beer cracked, ready to go. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm going to be driving tonight off to see Megan, the horror movie, which... Um, my future wife and I are laughing about because her name is also Megan. Um, <laughs> so we have been laughing about it because, uh, yes. But anyway, look, what I thought we might do tonight, boys, to start with, we had on our Aussie Villains Twitter feed, which is at Aussie Villains, capital A, capital V, I put up a few horrendous things this week. Um, and <laughs> and unfortunately, you guys were associated with it. That's all my fault. So I'll <laughs> 
I'll start at the minor ones for us. If that's are you, are you okay to go down this path, boys? Of yes, of course we are. It, it's a rabbit hole that I have barely escaped with. Okay, so let's go. First of all, uh, I'll go to a nice easy one. What should we uh, t- instead of take? I said, what should we tape for Matty Cash? Uh, Matty Cash, if Chelsea do indeed sign him. Um, and we do have Spud. We have Spud. Spud, we've started the podcast. You've missed nothing. Welcome. No, no worries, lads. How are you going? Yay. Welcome, Spud. Welcome, Spuddy. Now, Spud, we were just saying, I uh, unfortunately, you boys are associated with this account now, the Aussie Villains account, and it's had it's had a week and a half uh, in, in the space of three days. So we started out with what should we tape for Matty Cash instead of take. Um, and so I already started badly there. I put 20 to 25 million, 26 to 30, 31 to 35 or 36 million. And, you know, had 394 votes, pretty evenly spread. So, you know, that's a nice, easy one, right? Is there anyone Chelsea are not linked to it at the moment? Every time oh, no. I open up um, Twitter or BBC Sport or any sports page, Chelsea are linked with absolutely everyone at the moment. They are. I think they're linked to my, uh, they might be linked to my dad. Um, <laughs> Dad's still going strong. So who knows there. Um, guys, another one we put up, are you disappointed or, God, I can't even write at the moment and my job's comms, but it's meant to be, are you disappointed in our FA Cup exit? I put extremely, not much, not sure, happy we are out. 3% of 400 votes said happy we are out. Um, and not unsurprisingly, 78% said um, that they were very disappointed or extremely. So that's all normal kind of Twitter questions, right? So I'm thinking, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. And have you seen the one that um, has got us in a bit of trouble? I definitely have seen it. (laughs) Yes. Right. Okay, let's just paint the picture for those who haven't seen our Aussie Villains uh, Twitter account yet. I did put warning in capital letters. Silly question ahead. (laughs) Could Mings or Konza players a centre forward for the rest of the season in a Benteke-type role? 1,806 votes. These were the answers that we had. We had yes, no, not sure. You know, pretty standard Twitter responses. And the last one I put in there is one dumb Aussie. <laughs> Set yourself up there, buddy. That got yeah. 50% of the vote. So 903 <laughs> votes were one dumb Aussie. Uh, I think 600 votes were no. Um, what's 3% of 1,800? So that'd be 60 votes were not sure. And surprisingly, around 180 people said yes. That's the thing that people haven't looked at. 180-odd people said, yes, it would work. So That, um, that is quite worrying. <laughs> so what was even funnier is some of the responses. I'm not sure if you guys have seen the responses. You know what I mean? I'm not sure how much Fosters have I been drinking, which, first of all, no Aussies drink Fosters. That's a myth. Um, what else? What else? I love the one dumb Aussie option. Uh Buendia in goal. There's a lot of... Uh, I, I, I ask listeners, go and have a look. Um, I've also had a few personal messages sent to me about what kind of Villa supporter I am. And uh, I do apologise. I may have damaged our podcast with that question, guys, but I thought it was actually a bit of fun. Uh, I'm sure we can recover today. 27,500 uh, interactions that one had, guys. So it does go to show. You put up something that is ridiculous and was on a podcast previously, um, and you guys shot it down. But uh, wouldn't it be funny if we saw Ming, uh, Ming's or Konza play centre forward at some stage? <laughs> I mean, I mean, they might grab a goal. 
I want to be more than most of our strikers have got. <laughs> so, boys, what? tell me, what has excited you in the last couple of days? I think we've got a fairly good idea of where we're going there. What has excited you after a poor few days? Runner. I'll go. Um, yeah, obviously the new signing, Alex Marino, coming in. Uh, I was just saying off here that I'm just uh, a massive transfer window nut and can't get enough of it, the rumours and the and the gossip. And, you know, first thing I check in the morning is, you know, sports pages and stuff. So this time of year, I love it. Um, bit of a, a left field one, excuse the pun, but signing a left back, um, considering we've already got Lucas Dean, uh, Luca Dean, sorry, and Augustinson in the squad. So, yeah, a bit of a, a left field one there, but really excited having seen um, some of the clips of him. I don't watch a lot of La Liga, um, I'll be honest, but yeah, really excited to see someone else come through the door. Um, it was a nice pick-me-up after the, the Stevenage loss, obviously, and yeah, and now I'm just looking forward to the build-up to the Leeds game, which is always a big game. What about yourself there, Spud? Um, oh yeah, it's an interesting signing. Um, that's probably not the First priority over the chosen, but obviously Emery has this man marked. Maybe he planned to sign him for Villarreal, didn't have the funds or something because it seemed to have got done very, very quickly. So he's obviously someone that Emery. And look, it's not always about signing the best player, but it's about signing the right player. And 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 like he's obviously someone that he sees that can fit into the way he wants to play. Like you get all the Twitter experts saying he's left back, he's left midfield, whatever. Like the Villa fans don't know what Emery's planning to do with him. That's the reality of it. Like, um. Like everyone straight away is Luca Dean's out the door. I see that a lot. So we don't know that. Like we don't know. You know, he mightn't be happy with our, the, the ball carrying from our midfield. We just don't know what he's planning to do with it. Mm. Might be a plan where, and as we discussed in the last part, Augustinson's gone out the door. Um, maybe so. It's just comp- competition. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with that. Um, mm. It's not like it's not like Mourinho brings heaps of goals. Like I've seen people talking on Twitter about how oh, oh, he's going to bring a, a, a goal threat. I think he had 100 appearances for Betis and I think he scored five goals. So it's not, he's not bringing this on Merciful, but what he does bring is a bit of ball carrying. Um, so he's got the same kind of strike rate as our uh, current strikers, is that correct? A little bit better, just, just a bit better. <laughs> uh, but he's, so like, you know, and he only scored two or three goals for Rayo Vallecano. He only scored two or three when he was on loan at Elche. So he's not, like, he's not prolific. He's not like bringing a load of goals, but what he does bring is ball carrying and like the distances he gets up the pitch and stuff. And that's very interesting. But, I'm just interested to see what way he walks with Luca Dean and uh, Mourinho. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting, and it's good to see a bit of competition. You know, I suppose maybe Dean was comfortable because Augustinson wasn't really a threat to him. You know, I like so. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it, and it's a good, solid signing to start with. It's not going out putting 80 million on the bank straight away, and then yeah. the fans are expecting an 80 million signing every week. Then you know, it's it's a good, solid start. There's there's no there's no real negative to it. Even if it doesn't turn out to be a great signing, it's only thirteen million or whatever it was. You know, it's a very sensible signing. As I said, I think Emery must have had this man marked for a long time because, like, his name was mentioned as soon as Emery took over the job. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Over to you, Tess. Yeah, really. Int- in my, in my opinion, really interested signing. Um, um, I don't, I don't agree that it's really left field uh, as a signing, just because um, Augustinson hasn't really had much game time. Luca Dean's been sort of the main uh, left back, and even Ashley Young was covering in that space during the time when um, Dean was injured as well. You know, so um, I think it was probably needed. Um, 
if I if if you don't mind, just I've watched um the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, and Neil did a really good sort of analysis of the player that we're getting. And yeah, we as Bud said, we do get the ball carrying with with this player. Um, and again, it's not about the goals that he's going to score because as he, as he said, he scored five goals, but he he creates chances and he he knows how to take a man on. But for me, it was the tackling um, statistic. His his tackles compared to what Luca Dean does. Um, was way above um, and defensively we've come short really to be honest in in a lot of our games this season so hopefully that will shore up our defence from from the wide side a little bit more um, looks like Matty Cash is a bit out of favour as well so Ashley Young's been sort of starting at the right back position and I think Emery's what he's trying to do he's identified in this is just my opinion he's identified that we're a bit soft defensively, um, and I think some of the players he's realised perhaps an that's an understatement. I reckon. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he just feels like the the players that he's currently got that have been brought into the club just, just aren't going to be the ones to get to get us where we want to be. Just while you're speaking about the defence, there, Kez, there was something I wanted to ask you. Like, uh, I'm after commenting, replying to a lot of threads recently because it, it is irritating me, man. Like everywhere I look. Like, absolutely, Villa fans, left, right and centre, are absolutely pinning their hopes on Carlos coming back. Like, it's it's crazy that they've been down as only one of the only guaranteed cores of the team, uh, all this. Where are they getting this from, like? I, I don't understand, like... Mm, Carlos, not, with Carlos, the injuries he's had, with the injuries yeah. had as well, is, you know... Carlos, Carlos has a monumental amount to prove yet. Like, yeah. he's... I don't... Like, Mings is way ahead of him in the pecking order. I don't know where they're getting this. It's, I suppose, this typical kind of Villa, you know, pin their hopes and uh, someone... I mean, it's not starting, if, if you know what I mean. But, like, mm. it's... I just don't get it. And then someone replied to me in a comment going, yeah, well, Emery obviously knows him from when he from his time in Spain. When he was in Spain, he wasn't nearly 30 recovering from an ACL. Mm. Like, and the thing is, like, I was at the Everton game. He got absolutely burnt time and time again. You know, the two games he has played is Bournemouth and Everton, and he, he was pretty poor in those games. I hope he comes and beats brilliant, but I just don't get how people are putting him ahead of Kainz and Mings at the moment. Like, mm. I just like... No, you're okay. right. You're okay. right. I think that that injury as well is going to be massive. And, you know, there's talks of him coming back in Feb, but he's going to be nowhere near match fit, I reckon, even when he comes back. Because for him, like you said, he didn't, he's only played two games in the Premier League. So he's going to have to come up to speed after the injury. So I don't think we'll see him for a long time. And I think Konza and Mings are there to stay for um for the foreseeable, you know. Cup competitions, the Benjamin to know either. No, and, and just going back to um, Mourinho coming in, I think one of the Alex Mourinho coming in, one of his key traits that I think that it would have been identified is his pace on the left hand side. And that's where I think Luca Dean suffers. His pace isn't great. And if he's got a, a winger down that side who's got a bit of pace, he is often battling to keep up. And I think that's, you know, I agree with Spud. I think we could. You know, both of them could be used and and rotated, and but I do think they would have seen his lack of pace as something that they they need to improve down that side. Yeah, yeah, I think there's two. I think there's two. You've all made valid points. I think there's two parts. But first of all, every good club needs depth, and we said in previous podcasts like how many people we thought would be there in three years' time, for example. I, I, we are going to turn this squad over, and it's going to be turned over, and it'll be turned over again and again. And we'll eventually find that right formula with this manager. We got the best manager we've had in many, many years. 
and he's going to set up the system and players are going to come and go and we're going to have our hearts broken a little bit. We're going to have our hearts filled up a little bit. Um, and if we want to improve, I've seen nothing in the last 20 or 30 years of, of any formula that was going to make us, you know, a top three or four team. And we back, need to to trust- Spud's, back to Spud's point about Douglas, uh, about Carlos, um, he's... Those big injuries. I, I, okay, I'll just, I'll just. I hadn't finished, but that's. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 I, no I <laughs> you know, Beers taking, beers taking over. <laughs> no, I just want to, I just want to quickly say this point. We'll come back to Carlos. Is that, and you guys have already touched on it, especially you, Spud. We have to trust this process. None of us had any idea what's going on in the background. We have no idea where, what he wants to do. And, and we just need to trust. If we really believe this is a world-class manager, and he is, then just settle Gretels. We're all bloody couch managers. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I agree. Back to Carlos. I, Back to Carlos. No, I was just going to touch on that Carlos point, but I agree with everything you were just saying about the manager. Um, he is a top, top manager. He is somebody who um, knows how to... How to get to where he wants to be in terms of the players that he's signing, which brings me, which brought me to back to the Carlos point is that he's had a really horrific injury. And as we know, when players have big injuries like that, it's very difficult for them to come back. And there's, I don't understand to Spud's point, why people are jumping on, like he's going to walk straight back in the team. First of all, Emery's come in and Konza and Mings are playing at a different level to what they were playing at for the, from the beginning of this season. As, uh, I mean, it's apples and oranges. They are definitely playing better as a centre-back too. And at the moment, it's gonna, uh, Carlos has to work his way back into that team and who he, who he displaces, we don't know yet. Yeah, and and someone said to me as well in the comment there, like like they said, oh, he needs at least eighteen months. We have to give him at least eighteen months. How can we? The man's nearly thirty. You can't be giving him eighteen <laughs> months. Like you can't, you can't like have sentiment like at this age. That's fair enough if he's twenty four, but you can give him an eighteen months. I reckon they'll know by the start of next season if he's after recovering or not. Hmm. Paul, do you reckon they are just Emery's just trying to replace all of the team? Me. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm just saying when people are saying that Carlos needs 18 months, like we should give him 18 months. I don't know where, where they're finding this 18 months for him, you know. Like he, he they'll, you'll know over the, from February to May and in pre-season, they'll know by August if he's, if he's after, um, if he's, if he's going to recover, get back mm. as strong as he was, you know. But, mm. Boys, we've just had, a, um, just had a, a, a couple of questions. We put it up that we're recording our uh, podcast. We had a couple of questions. One is, uh, who was the guy who put up the post uh, about Mings and Konza as centre-forward. So I've owned up and put my name to it. So you guys are off the hook. Uh, that came from KJ O'Sull. Uh, KJ underscore O'Sull. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, that was me. Paul underscore football um, was the nutter. So none of the other boys, Spud, Tess or Rhino, did that. We've also had Michael just put up a post uh, about half a minute ago. And it is very relevant. Uh, with Marino coming in, do you think he's a replacement for Denier, or can you see Emery playing them both at the same time? It, it's a little bit of a different twist to what we just spoke about. I don't see them both playing in the same team. I I do, and it's going to be horses for courses, um, depending on the team we are playing. Um, if we're playing a top six team, who are pretty, you know, who have got wide men who can hurt us, I could see Emery pushing. 
Marino in front of Luca Dean just to give us that extra protection. And as we've said, he can carry the ball, he can play a bit, he's got a bit of pace, so he wouldn't be he wouldn't be out of his um out of his depth playing a bit further forward, I don't believe. So he's I already, I think there's potential from both to play in the same team for sure. He's already tested the water trying cash ahead of young. So he's mm. obviously that system is obviously in his head to some degree, you know. Yeah, and he's done that at Villarreal as well. You know, he's he's done it wherever he's been. He sort of pushed um, defensive players into that sort of wider midfield role, you know, and as a bit bit of extra protection. So yeah, I can see it happening. I can see it happening. I don't. I honestly don't think it will. Um, it's not going to be every game, but it's going to be in certain games. Oh yeah, I mean it has to be. But do you reckon he's just going to like rotate the two, Paul? I, look, I, I think the biggest thing I think is that he, I, this is just me personally, I think he sees Marino as an upgrade uh, on Denier for sure. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to, it's not like we're in cup competitions. You know, we just got knocked out of the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. We're not in the League Cup. So I'm not sure about the whole rotation yet. They're uh, tested all. I do you know what you're asking me there. Sorry, uh, do I think, do, do we think they'll replace the whole squad? No, I, I don't think he will. I like about there. There is definitely going to be changes over the next three windows. Like, I mean, like I, I think there's certainly players in that team. He's going to look at and think, yeah, I can make something of these players. I think there's a good few players in that team that he's well, working on. But there is players. Spud, we can go back to the question we asked last podcast. In three years' time, how many of the players do you see there? I see Martinez. Um, I, I don't see too many of the others who are going to be there in three years' time. I do believe the squad will be turned over. Like completely turned up. Yeah, there'll be a few gone. Yeah, there, there, there definitely will. But uh, like in three years, you still see a few faces. I'm sure there is people in that squad he sees good value in. Like there definitely will be. I mean, they've just got ten points out of fifteen. I think. Oh I think, yeah. I people, mean, I think people get, people are going to be carried away after the Stevens loss. It was a terrible loss, but like when you're in Twitter and stuff, people want the whole squad sold. Oh like, no, no, I'm not. And, and no, I'm not, not you. I'm saying like people I've read on Twitter. Not, I do hear what you're saying. But, I, yeah. I want to be really clear though. I don't. I'm not throwing the uh, baby out with the bathwater. I just honestly think he's been given that remit to come in, and he's going to really look. And that's what he's been doing, even with the FA Cup. Really look at the players. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Martinez will be there in the next year or two. Not because, not because he's not brilliant. I love him and I love his passion. I think someone is just going to pay stupid money for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really looked through the squad the other day, and I went, I don't see too many of these guys fitting the style down the track. I really believe he's going to turn it over as much as he can. I just wonder whether sometimes as supporters at the moment, whether we have too much sentiment for some of the players that we currently have. Well, I think you're, I think you're definitely right. You definitely do. I, I do anyway, like some of them, but uh, once they sacked, um, once they sacked Gerard and that was such a disaster, I think I said on this podcast as well, I'm done with it now. Whoever he chooses to sell or keep or whatever, I'm going to back him now because, mm, yeah. because it's been painful the last few years. I know I definitely, I definitely had such an affiliation with those players that got us promoted. You know, it was such a good mm. year and kept us up the following year and stuff. But just come, maybe that is some of their level. You know, yeah. I think they're all, you know, really, really good championship players and and average Premier League players. All right, so they're not bad. God, if you're an average Premier League player, how good's that? Um, but if we're talking about where we really want to be in the next few years and really challenging for Europe, this is not a European team. And people yeah. still thinking that we're going to make Europe this year. I mean, we'd be slaughtered in Europe. We'd, we'd, honestly. Well, I think we'd I, I, be... I, I'm sorry. Sorry, Tess. Um, you go, mate. You go. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, depending on the numbers that come in in this in this January window. So, for example, if we get another two players, um, other than Moreno, I reckon he thinks he can get this squad to Europa this season. I, I think that's he thinks he could do that this season. And if you can get Europa this season, yeah, it actually allows us in the Jan- in the um, summer transfer window to attract better players and players who are used to playing in Europe. And I think that's, I think he believes he can do that this season if he can get maybe three players in over this January window. So we've already got one. And perhaps if he can get another two, I think he might think, well, we're looking up the table at the moment and it's possible that we can get Europa. I, I think that I think that would be unreal. Like I think all oh, of us would be super, super excited. Oh, it'd be it'd be well in front of where I'd expect this to be. And I think sometimes we've got to be realistic as well. That you know we were just talking about coming from you know the championship. We bought a team up, and like we said, some of those players probably not um, you know mid table to lower Premier League table players. They're not going to push us into the the top spot. But it's going to take a few years to you know build the squad and rotate through these players because, you know, you can't just sell everyone and buy a whole new team. You know what I mean? So we've got, I think we've got to be realistic as fans as well. Yeah. And, you know, during that time as well, we lost a, a generational player in Grealish. You know, that was massive. You know, he was, everyone knows what he did for us and losing that, you know, the player of that caliber is always going to set you back a little bit. So, yeah, I agree. I think, a little bit. I, 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 think I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think we're yeah. tracking where we should be at the moment with the squad we've got. I don't see us being a team that's quite ready for to qualify for Europe at the moment. No. Well, we're only six points out of us and seven, though. Like, mm. uh, like it's, it's not out of the, the realms of craziness that, 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 that they could win it. Like, were, our, our league form has been good uh, like since Emery came in. It's been very good. Like. So oh. as much as I think it's going to be hard, I don't think it's as far, far, far-fetched as... People think, you know, I, I think that's what be, I think. I think it can be done. It can, with some well, smart I, yeah, absolutely. I think it can be done, but I think sometimes we've got to be realistic as well. well like, two yeah, things yeah. need to happen. We need to get, find a bit of consistency. Yeah, and well, I think we I absolutely think need to start pulling in the same direction, like because this booing halfway through game, all that is not going to get anything over the line. Like. No, I think this this podcast is is pretty much a fifty percent divided right now. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think Rhino and I are leaning towards the more pessimistic side, and you two are balancing out with the more optimistic side. Well, I don't disagree with you guys though. I'm, yeah. I, 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 you got to keep your like. I believe you got to keep it realistic. But so, when I'm looking at the table, yeah. I look at the table and I'm, I'm saying, well, at the moment, like if we were going on current form, we're sixth in the table at the moment. Yeah. And that's the form that's going to get you into Europe, in the Europa space. And as I said, if there is a possibility of bringing in maybe one or two more players that Emery really likes, based on the current form, and he adds a couple of additions that will improve us, um, there's no reason as to why we can't look towards those sort of you know top oh. eight positions because we're looking up rather than down at the moment and I think he's looking at this squad and saying right this is what I've been able to do with these players since I've been here we've got 10 points out of 15 if I can just get one or two more players in who who are a bit more tactical savvy a bit a bit quicker a bit more quality perhaps um, there's no reason why he thinks well, I might just be able to scrape them into a Europa space and then if we can do that in the summer it puts us in a better position for us to attract better quality players 
Well, let's put the um, let's put the brakes on optimism for a moment, and <laughs> I don't I don't want to concentrate on the uh, FA Cup loss too much. What I kind of wanted to concentrate on, if it's okay with you boys, if you want to talk about the game, I think we all have heard so many things about it. We you know if you watched it, we we had a number of opportunities and we did what we generally do um, over the years, and that's let an opportunity pass. So we could cover that. I think a lot of podcasts already have. But what I want to talk to you about as fans is how much those cup runs actually mean. And when we've done nothing in years, my optimism does die a little bit because I dream of the cup runs and the Europe's and different things like that. And I think that is what was the most disappointing thing, that this was our big chance to have a run and we get knocked out by a team. And you cautioned us, Fudd. We got knocked out by a team that didn't really have the right to beat us. I'm not saying that you don't have the divine rights. It's a, I'm just saying that they yeah. they shouldn't beat us. Um, right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there, Paul. And the only, the only thing I have to really say in that, because as you said, like it's been covered a lot this game, and I think what's been said has been said, and it's it's, it's all over social media and stuff. So you're right. I'm not going to focus too much on that, Paul. The, disa- the result was a disaster. The performance was terrible. The one thing I will say, though, and just taking away that I'm a Villa fan for a moment, I love that that happens in football. Like, it's yeah. just shit when it happens yeah. to you. But, like, sometimes these results, I, d- I don't think after a result like that, like, um, the way some people say every player has to be changed, blah, blah, I, I don't believe that for a second. These results can happen. And if they didn't happen, I probably wouldn't watch football. Like, it's the it's, magic of the cup. And, and, mm. and it's it is crap when it happens to you, but yeah. like, football has a way of throwing these things into. It was twelve years to the day when they played Villa that they beat Newcastle and Newcastle are a Premier League team and they were non-league. It was twelve years to the day at kickoff. And he's like, football has a way of doing these things. Like, and if it didn't, like that was an amazing third round to see and some it, of the results. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and if you're a, a neutral watching some of these games, you're always going for the underdog, and it's good to see these upsets and these, you know, these clubs and these fans get their time in the in the limelight, beating some of these bigger clubs. So yeah, fair play to them. You know, it's yeah. that's what the FA Cup's about and always has been. And yeah, I think no, we said uh, that. I think we actually said that in in previous pods that it it, it it's the beauty of the cup. And yeah. yes, I, I just think that. For a club that hasn't done anything in so long, I agree. What yeah. are we holding our hats on? I, I'm really lost about what we are trying to achieve at the moment. You know, one thing, sorry, just to go back to that. The one thing I found really strange about the the Stevenage game was just um, the the lack of leadership and no young Mings or Martinez, like who I see as our natural leaders on the field. So Ings was captain for the game, which I thought was just quite strange really like looking at the lineup and I thought at least one of those players young Mings or Martinez would would play just to give us a captain on the field yeah mm. what did you look there is one bit of play that summed us up and I don't want to this is not picking on Watkins it was just that bit of play where where I think it was the second goal that they scored or the one that they went ahead it wasn't just Watkins it was everyone but there was a lack of urgency so Watkins sees um I don't even know who it is. I've just gone blank on the seven-inch player. Um, he sees him there, doesn't do anything, and then when he sees him line up, he then runs out and then flinches when the ball's going near him. That was just symptomatic of I – I don't think – it didn't feel like the Villa team was fully committed to that match. Maybe they didn't want an FA Cup run. I don't know. I, I'm probably speaking out of turn. I feel like we – there was quite a few comments that went around about the game – um, the amount of changes that were made in the game, all these sorts of things. But from my perspective, when I 
when I put the game on and got it, um, I did that free trial so I could watch it live, work up in the morning to watch it. The team that were out there were good enough to, they're Premier League players, they're good yeah. enough to to beat Stevenage. And for the majority of the game, I, in my opinion, I felt we controlled the game, although we couldn't create the chances to get those goals. But the, the amount of change that were made is not a reason why we should have lost that game at all. Like, in my opinion, I felt like the team just didn't create enough chances. Um, and I I posted something on Twitter, which I got a bit of um, abuse about. Because, um, I said that the, the thing that happened at the back there is Olsen was in goal. And you had um, Bednarek, Chambers, Augustinson. And these were all, you know, all Stephen Gerrard's signings when he came in. And I'm thinking, well, defensively, these these guys are not at League Two level even because we, we, we're losing in the last couple of minutes against the League Two side. I don't think that should be an excuse. We should have won that game. And um, it's disappointing, but credit to Stevenage. Um, they went for it. They wanted it more and they deserve to win. And as Rhino and you have all said, that's the magic of the FA Cup. It's just a bit disappointing, but I don't think there should be excuses about, about the amount of changes we've made. They're all players that were signed by the last manager to try and get to where we wanted to be. Yeah, no, really good call. Guys, Saturday morning, it's four o'clock for Spud in WA. It is six o'clock for Tess and I. It is seven o'clock for Rhino. Woohoo! So uh... Four for me, is that? Four AM, is that? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, four AM. So you get to uh, get to change the uh, change the nappies or do whatever you need to do and um, <laughs> perfect, grab a coffee and perfect time. And look, if, if I think a lot of good could be undone in this game if we don't start well against Leeds. I don't want the crowd to get against us, and then it's just—it's a really, really important game from from my point of view. A because my name's Paul, Paul underscore football, so I'm sort of taking away from the other boys. I hate Leeds with a passion, so it's a huge game for me. But I think it's a big game for the club. <laughs> when you just said that, I just—I pictured when we met up and we went to watch Leeds v Villa, uh, Villa versus Leeds at Suncorp Stadium, and. I didn't know how much you did, you disliked Leeds at that point until you started speaking to all their supporters. I mean, <laughs> he, he was so friendly to them at first. He was like, yeah, but your team is like, you guys are going down, man. Like, you guys are... It was, just, I could, it was so funny to watch and just be there with you, mate. It was so funny. <laughs> Fr- friendly hate. It's a slow burn. It was a friendly... It was a friendly... It wasn't an aggressive... Hey, it was a friendly, um, a friendly banter, um, um, but it was really hilarious. So, I want your thoughts on that, guys. Of, of maybe I'm overinflating it. So, I'd prefer your more balanced opinions on the leads. How important do the three of you think this game is? Massive, yeah, huge game, and and we sort of touched on on a pod uh, a while back, and these are the kinds of games where I think. Uh, you know, we, we're struggling at the moment to break teams down and unlock teams when they're sort of sitting deep and, and you know, putting five men at, at the back. And I think this could be one of those games where we're going to have to do something a little bit different to, to break Leeds down. Leeds are, you know, they'll go for it themselves, but they haven't been in a great run. So I, I sort of see them come in and sort of trying to stay tight and compact. And that's where I, that's where we've struggled lately, I think. Yeah, it's a it's a really good call. What about you, there, Spud? Um, I think if you're a Jesse March, you're saying to your team in the dressing room, 
go out, let's attack them early, get the first goal, get the crowd on their back, and the game's ours. That's that's going to that's going that would be my team talk to Leeds because they'll know they'll know that if they if they if they can start well against us, the crowd will turn. You know, um, from Emery's point of view, it's going to be a hard game to set up for really because. Like Leeds concede lots of goals, but there's still a trek going forward. But the one thing you will get from Leeds is uh is a hundred percent commitment. And I think um I think John McGinn's gonna be a big miss in this game, personally, because this is mm-hmm. the kind of games that are tailor made from, you know, a bit physical, a bit of a hectic game, you know. Um mm-hmm. like as uh, you know, I'm not much John McGinn's biggest fan, but I there's I always say there's definitely a spot for him. There's games that are tailor made for him, you know, and, and these are one of the games because we're a soft side, like without McGinn, without McGinn in it. There's no real physicality in there. Maybe Ming's at the back a little bit, but we're very soft in the middle. Like Louise and Kamara aren't going around kicking lads, like you know. Or that's why I think Buendia is probably probably shouldn't play, but I, I would play him because at least he's got that bit of nastiness, you know, and he will get about and get amongst faces. So I don't know how this game is going to go. I'd fancy three points, but it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to. Um... The, the tactical setup from our team because you know what these are about you know they're full of energy they will just run and run all day um they like direct attacking they defensively they aren't the strongest defensively so i think that going into this game is going to be a bit more about how we nullify them tactically to stop their more creative players um getting an advantage over us in saying that, I probably think there's going to be some goals in this game uh from both sides. I just hope I, I would just like to see a disciplined performance from Villa um, just to kind of nullify their threat, sort of make sure the fans are on our side. Um, yeah. But um, Leeds are, Leeds are a, a, a decent outfit. They haven't, their form says otherwise. I don't think they've won a game uh, in a while. They've drawn a few, lost a few. Um, so based on form in the Premier League, I think um, we're in better form and should get a result. But again, Hopefully the crowd um, at Villa Park can get behind the players and give them that extra bit of a boost because if if we, it's not going for us in the first 10, 15 minutes or 20 minutes, wherever it is, it'd be nice to just hear the fans singing and trying to get these players up and motivated at home to try and get a result. What I don't want to see is a defeat. Um, I'd, I'd take a draw from... If you ask me before the game, I'll take a draw. Um, On? But I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, or a win, but I just don't. I don't think we can afford to lose this game. I, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to get your your opinion first, guys, because I actually, um, I think a little bit different to Spud. I think this is a great game for Emery to be set up on. He knows what Leeds are going to do. They're not going to change their tactics. Their squad is um, a lot bearer than it has been in previous seasons. They've got a lot of injuries at the moment. They're still going to play the same way. I think they're there for the taking. And the other thing that will be starting to play on their mind, they're only now, yes, they've got a game in hand, but they're only two points um, out of relegation. They've got another FA Cup uh, replay next week. And uh, I think, sorry, they've got an FA Cup game next week, haven't they? Um, so I actually think they're there for the taking. They continue to play the same style. I think it's really dangerous for them um, over the next month or two because if they don't get the results and they're playing the same style of football, the players are going to stop believing in that style as well. So I say we put them to the sword and make them relegation fodder. I really do believe we can win this game 2-0. Who, um, with, with McGinn being out, who do you fellas see in that midfield spot in instead of McGinn for this one? I would play Ramsey, but I'd say it would be Bundia. Yeah, I mm. think Bundia as well. Yeah. Um, 
I think Louise can give a little bit of mongrel. I I, I do believe he can give that bit of uh, feistiness. But whilst um, Leeds throw themselves about, they're not the toughest team going. Like you know, you know, it's it's more like handbags at ten paces with with when you play Leeds. They're all huff mm. and puff. It's not like we're facing Roy Keane or you know anyone yeah, like they that. Have, they have a couple of big up players like Rodrigo is a, a big threat there. He's very yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. I think you, you know, it's absolutely they've got threats, but I mean like they're not um they're not like a the physicality we're thinking of from previous years. I don't see Leeds as a really physical um, going to bowl us over style team. Is what I'm trying to say. No, that's not going to happen. Um, but what about all right? Can I throw something out there? Because I always throw something at left field. I did it with Dougie Louise last time. But do you reckon Sanson will get some minutes based on his performance in in the last game against Stevenage? No, because, I don't see it. because he was doing he was getting in. So, so from what I was seeing, he was getting doing those type of runs, and no one was picking him out. Like, and I felt like he was doing a kind of John McGinn kind of what we used to see John McGinn doing. He got into a couple of challenges, was able to kind of keep the ball, laying the ball off nice and easy, trying to make those sort of diagonal runs to get in towards the box. I thought I thought he did all right, but that's, it, it was against Stevenage. However, surely he could get some minutes if he's not being sold. He'd, be on the bench. He'd, come, off the, he'd come off the bench if anything, but um, I, yeah, I don't I, see I don't him know. starting. I just think he should... I think. He probably deserves some minutes because he was one of the better players against Stevenage. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying it's not a possibility. You guys are so silent on this one. I feel like he's. I feel like there's a, a move that's yeah. close with someone like Sanson. I think, you know, there's been multiple times that he's sort of, you know, been on the bench and not got any minutes. And I, I kind of just see him as on the way out. So I, I just don't see him getting much minutes in this game. Um, yeah, I think, as we touched on, I think it'll be Ramsey, um, Louise Kamara. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe some minutes off the bench, but I think he's close to leaving, to be honest. Yeah, I, I personally think that that was a, a, a goodbye game from getting McGuire yeah. in front of the home fans, to be honest. I, there's a lot of links with uh, Guendouzi there. I wouldn't be surprised if he's involved cool. in the Guendouzi transfer, to be honest, back to Marseille. He's oh. loved that Marseille, like, uh, I mean, yeah. What do you think of that, though? Can we talk about that? Can we talk about this this Gwendozi rumors? Because kind of got my got my non hair spiked up. Yeah. Can we hold? Can we hold that? Can we hold that for one second? There is one yeah. other thing about this Leeds game I did want to touch on. The two keepers are in absolute red hot form because uh, Melier he has pulled off some of the most unbelievable saves in the last few weeks. I've watched a fair bit of football from other teams. Um, and he has just been, he's a, both of these keepers. We think there's plenty of goals in this, but the keepers are going to have a key part in this game. Yeah, he's a good keeper, yeah. He's, he's a really good keeper. He's not very good in crosses, though, but he's a he, he, shot stopping man. He's, he's class. Uh, and that's I was gonna say, the last game we played against Leeds, I think he was in all sorts of trouble under the high ball, under the cross, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He struggles big with the high ball. Yeah. Like so maybe yeah. we should put Mings or Konza as a... Yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that's where he was going with that. I knew it. What a trap are we fell for it. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I just knew it. But, but... Well, that, that was a slight if, we corners, like if we can get corners, if we can get corners, it's an opportunity for those bigger guys at the back to come forward, right? And, and, and have a go. 
If we get a corner, it's a chance for Douglas Luiz to shoot because he struggles with those kind of crosses. I also yeah. think that we underrate Watkins' ability in the air as well. Um, and he's a he's a real... He, I, I, he's just one player. He's such a good header of the ball. I'm just surprised he doesn't score more goals with his head. Especially with the amount of crosses we get into the box. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, that's a good call. I could see the ball going out and Louise having that, that shot from the edge of the box and maybe a deflection in. Hopefully, guys, it's a um, like that Liverpool game where we scored almost every single goal from a deflection. <laughs> Go I'll back take and watch it. That. I'll take it. Hey, if we can score goals like that, I'll take them. Well, let's go on to that um, transfer um, question you had there, uh, Tess. It was really good. No, I was just, I was just, there's a buzz at the moment about Guendouzi. Yeah. And I, when he was playing at Arsenal, I thought he was a decent young player. I thought this is like, he's, he's got a bit of fight in him. He's got, you know, wants to kick a couple of people and, Press and all these sorts of things, and I thought, wow, this this player looks pretty, really good, and he's really young. And obviously, um, Arteta didn't like him and wanted him out, and so he's gone. But I think he's a player that Emery actually signed for Arsenal. Um, yeah. He had a great relationship with Emery, and yeah, now he's, he's an, yeah, he's a French international now. And you listen to you know the um, the comments that people are making that. You know these these players, people like Danjuma and Guendouzi, rave about uh, working under Emery. Um, and if it's something that is is a real transfer possibility, I I think we go for it. I mean, he I think he was an exciting player, and um, you know one of those types of players that sort of wear their their heart on the sleeve. He seemed like he seemed like one of those types of players to me, and yeah. that's that would be something that would really be welcome. Um, in our team, because at the moment I don't think there are not no disrespect to the players, but I don't think there's a lot of them that are wearing their heart on their sleeve and playing for the club at the moment. I did you think Danny? Of... Did you think Danny Ings when he when he scored um, recently? His celebration that was the first time I felt that from from one of our players in a fair while. That that felt really raw. Um, you know, he... I don't think he's going to start in this game, and I'd love to see him start. I and look when I saw that celebration and he was calling it the crowd what what you know like I could see that was part frustration part showing what he can do but he's so far from what we we saw the other day he's only showing that as an impact sub at the moment and yeah. being somebody who started the football match the other day and as captain I didn't see much from him and I thought to myself do you know what this is the reason why you're not starting games that's a good call. Mm. Just going back, he only had 16 touches throughout the whole game. Sure, like he needs service, or and if Coutinho did kept shooting from 25 yards for no reason, there was no service going into the box. Like, no, and and I just do know that I, I look for me, I think Coutinho is a finished player, no disrespect, but I think he's a finished player. I don't think he's Coutinho, the player that I wanted to sign. I think he's finished. I was to give him the benefit of the doubt because I thought under Emery, like he, you know, he may be. Course, that can find the best one, but he's not really showing anything, is he? Like, no, nothing. No disrespect, no disrespect. I think he's finished. Complete disrespect, actually, because you know, um, he came to the club, he talked the talk, he has not walked the walk at all. We were all so excited for him, we've sung songs for him, and he showed little glimpses at the start. and, And he is done and dusted. Like, we, we, in the end. We ended up getting a terrible deal signing him for what thirty five. 
No, 15 million or something like that was. 17. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, the wages would be the killer, though. He'd be on huge bucks. So, I mean, I don't mean to be... I'm just going back to you now saying about disrespect. We're not disrespecting him. We're just saying what what everyone else can see. The guy he was, he, he, he will never be again. I'd love to see him get him fifteen or twenty percent, and I, I thought I thought I might get it out of him, but I'm looking at it, and I just don't see it. Like, his legs or something is gone. Like he can't get past anyone anymore, and he's got the nice little tricks and skills. I mean, he would be an amazing marquee maybe in the MLS or the A League, but he's not going to play in the top levels of Europe again. I mean, he started against Stevenage for crying out loud. There are li- no disrespect to, to Stevenage. They're a League Two side. And you're shooting from 20, 30 yards and you're not even testing the goalkeeper. And then when you're not testing the goalkeeper, you're sitting wide on, on the touchline and you're getting taken... Players from Stevenage are taking a ball off you um, on too many occasions. And I just... How are you going to perform to a level in the Premier League if you can't do it against the League Two side? I, I don't know about you guys. You're a lot younger than me. But when you find... I, I remember when I knew my legs were gone. It was probably about 31, 32, you know, just playing local football and everything. <laughs> and couldn't get past guys that I would have got past a year or two beforehand. And it's a horrible, horrible feeling because your mm-hmm. brain says you can do it and your body won't. And I really think that's happened to Coutinho. Because he's got no pace anymore at all. I mean, he was never the fastest player, but he's got no pace anymore. If he's yeah, three or four metres ahead of someone, they catch him straight away. He's just um, devoid of confidence as well, isn't he? So everything yeah. he's doing just looks forced and rushed. And he's just, he's just not a good fit at the moment because nah. still, he, he, like he, he, he's he's a moments player. I still believe he can offer moments. And like, and I think in a, in a good team, but they're not going to buy him. Where you have a lot of the ball, you have a lot of space, you have a lot of men running off. Yeah. He could be. He could be a bit of a weapon. He's know, a luxury. He's, he's a luxury. He's a luxury yeah. player at best now. Dougie tried to do everything he could to give him the ball, give him opportunities during that game. Mm-hmm. Tried everything to get him involved in the game and do stuff, and did nothing. And then I think Ashley Priest or someone like that posted at halftime that he's changed his boots. Might need to change the brand. Right. <laughs> we're still the oh, shooting was. I don't think Villa can carry a player like that at the moment. We're not strong no, enough. No, no, we can't. We're right. And I don't mean it to... But I'm just going from what I'm seeing. And if we want to be where we want to be, as as the phrase is, I just don't see how he fits we've at the moment. It, we've done it so many times over the years. You look at guys like David Ginola, who, you know, had... They're exactly what you're talking about, Spud. They had moments and fantastic moments, but they didn't have great periods with us they didn't change us and make us better and we've got such a history of doing that you look at like Kamara there like and Kamara's like when he's playing well he's controlling the game like he's everything that's good about the game Villa are doing like it's all coming through him and Louise like they they know when to speed up the game they went to slow, to slow down without even being involved in the game for 90 minutes they're just constantly there they're being options Coutinho if he's not on the ball he's not really there and when we went to that Leeds game I, when I came back from the, the, the Leeds game, I was on the, um, the Love of Palm Grab podcast and, and Neil was asking me about, uh, oh, Coutinho, what did you think live? Because I'd been to see them in Norwich. And I was like, I was saying, a podcast, I was like, you're watching him and you're kind of like, I don't know, did you notice this in this game? You're like, what's he doing? Like, 
He's not mm. really. He's he not drifts really, in and out, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not showing for the ball. He's just kind of there. Yeah. He's not. He's not like. And next thing he gets in the ball and he played a lovely pass to true ball to Watkins. The one Watkins, um, the the, the one and one he had early, and and then he disappeared out of the game again for a while. And unless he got that ball straight to feet. He wasn't involved at all. I was, I was actually pretty disappointed because I was, he was one player I was really looking forward to going over seeing in Brisbane, you know, because I mm. hadn't seen. He's one of the players I hadn't seen live before, and I was really excited about it. And and he, oh, he was a big letdown. Like I mean, because I thought this man, like he's not a quick player, but he's got a brain. I can't wait to see what he's doing off the ball. But he was doing nothing off the ball. Well, guys, there is another new signing. Uh, it's more of a change of name. Um, so Carla, I. Um... Aston Villa FC Carla is a follower of the podcast and, and our group and so forth. Uh, she got her wedding photos back. She's a Gibbons now. So we got a new signing. Uh, Carla. Hello. Congratulations. Congratulations. She's a smaller kind of on the ball person. Uh, she's got plenty of fire. Um, so we're glad to have her as part of the uh, part of the pod as well. So I hope she's after marrying another Villa fan. Yes, they both got Villa tops at the wedding. Wedding photos have come back, both uh, holding up gibbons. Uh, a double signing, yeah. Double signing, double signing. He looks, like, he looks like the centre forward I'm after there. So okay. uh, congratulations, Carla. Anyway. Hey, you know what we were talking about signings there a while ago, lad, just before we go off the topic? Um, you know, like, because I think we'd have a meltdown if we signed the disc, but you know what I was saying earlier about it, it's not, it doesn't always have to be the best signing, but it just has to be the right signing. Yeah. Look look at Ten Hag signing your man Veghorst, who couldn't cut it at Burnley last year, and then they've sent him out and loan him to Besiktas this year, and they've paid Besiktas a fee to take him on loan from Burnley, Man United. Like the guy, that's the big tall Dutch guy who scored that mad free kick against yeah. Argentina. That is a sign of it doesn't always have to be the best player. He's obviously identified that he needs something different coming off the bench, a bigger profile player, whatever it may be, when when when, it's, when Rashford or whatever isn't cutting it in the games. And like we'd have a meltdown if we signed a player that didn't cut it at Burnley. Absolute meltdown. Like. But mm-hmm. Ten Hag has identified this as a position. So it's like any signing ahead, like we have to kind of look at it for what it is, not by name, because... Yeah. It doesn't always have to be the best, but it has to be the, like. It can be no, just, and, I, really and I think Emery, Emery going forward is going to sign players he knows and trusts, and will have an immediate impact for his formation and his sort of strategies. And he's going to pick players like Gwen Doozy. I'd be surprised if we don't sign someone from Villarreal, you know, in this window, one of the wingers from there, because he's going to want players who can come straight in, make an impact, you know, and just system inside out. Yeah, he's going to want to know what they can do, know their attitude and bring them in. I think he'll go um, relatively low risk as a transfer can be. I know that's, a, you know, sort of an oxymoron, but I think he's going to go for the players that he knows and has scouted. Like Mourinho, where he's, he's seen him in La Liga for years working there. He knows what they're about. So, yeah, I think, like you say, Spud, he's going to go for tri-tested, solid players. Might not be the marquee, you know, big names, but people who can do a job for him. We want people that can hold the ball. We yeah. want people that can... We, we are not good at holding the ball. We lose the ball all the time. He can hold the ball really well. He he loves the manager. He's, he's spoken about that in the past. And you were, we were talking about before, you know, the guys who would, you know, who would grab a badge and, and yell for the club. And I think he's going to start bringing in those kind of players. And I... Look, I think we're going to have more of a continental blend in the next few years. We've spoken about that since he signed. Mm. And and if you want to be stereotypical, 
passionate people and they're going to be passionate for the club and their gaffer. And we have not had that in the last few years. I can't wait to see that. Where, where, it was where, pretty specific. Sorry. Go, Spud. No, no, go for a minute. I was just going to say, in his interview that we all discussed in the last pod, he was pretty specific about the type of player he wants and the char- characteristics was one of the things that popped up. Now, we've got players who can run and, and the Watkins and all these sorts of things, but we don't have uh, an, an extra winger like a Bailey who's got a bit of pace, who's got a trick up his sleeve. Probably you want somebody who's got a bit of pace and can play wide, who can keep the ball. He probably wants somebody who can be a presence in the box because at the moment I think a little bit light in the box when it comes to attacking plays. If we've got balls in the air, you know, we haven't got people who are banging headers in at the moment. Um, in saying that there aren't a lot of strikers out there, but I think um, to, to Spud's point, Man United to, will create chances to score goals. Yeah. Whether it's from on the edge of the box or whether it's from wide positions and whipping the ball into the box and bringing in somebody like that, Weghorst, he can head the ball, he can hold up the ball. And um, he can drop deep and and bring others into play, and that's an important quality. So he might not be the the marquee signing as you as you mentioned, but he's got those different characteristics that Man United at the moment don't currently have. Guys, I see um I, I see us being such a different team uh, in the next few years, where there's barely any English players in the team. You know, you could see Mings and Konza potentially being there. We've been linked with a couple of. Um, South Korean players as well that played in the World Cup. Um, I just, I'm really excited about us having that different blend going forward. I, I just love it. That's just me. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm yeah. talking the next year or so. But um, where, where, where are we at with Leon Bailey? What's our thoughts there? Uh, good, good question. Because I was mm. wanting to talk about Bailey as well, and I'll kick it off. I think his form in the last three, four games has been horrendous. To be honest with you. Um, Obviously, a player in there, but again, another one who is devoid of confidence and just everything he tries, nothing's coming off. And I just don't know where he fits at the moment in that team. Yeah, one trick pony at the moment for me. One trick pony at the moment for me. People, um, managers will be telling their players when he gets the ball wide on that right hand side, the first thing he's going to try to do is do a step over and take you on, or he's going to try a step over and come inside, just block those angles and. That seems to be what's happening. If he's not controlling the ball himself, he's losing the ball or giving the ball away quite cheaply. He's so one-footed. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, I don't think playing on the right-hand side is suiting him in in the way that we play. He'd probably be better off playing on the left-hand side to see what he can do there, uh, where he can actually play more naturally on his left foot. Um, but I agree with Rhino. I think his form's... I don't think his form's been very good at all. He's been given chances to you know, 90 minutes to try and play his way into form. And just like we said about people like John McGinn, who were just not in form and give somebody else a chance. Unfortunately, we don't have somebody else yeah. who, who can go in instead of fail at the moment to give yeah. you sort of a break. I agree. We lack options, don't we, out wide and sort of wingers, sort of attacking midfielders. I think that's one position we left ourselves desperately short with trying Thank you, thank you, thank you Stevie. <laughs> yeah, El El Ghazi, Trezeguet and Traore all went out the door. And and look, look, I agree. I don't think they were the players that we needed to, to push us on, but we needed to replace them with someone 
and we never did. And uh, yeah, he we left us no ways whatsoever. Well, Traore gave us so, so much more than Bailey's ever given us. We were really excited. I think I was tricked by highlights because, um, you know, his highlights in Germany were fantastic. There, there's no excuse about injuries now. He's had enough time. Um, uh, no, he's got to he's got to go. It's, uh, um, it's kind of it's 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 probably because there's definitely a player in there. Like he's definitely, yeah. you know, he's a. But then I kind of I think I I, I I said this before in the pod, like and 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 I thought that some one of the managers would be able to get out of him. I said, like if he was consistent, he'd probably be with Bayern Munich, not Berlin. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you did. Um, guys, we, uh, there's a theme that's come through this podcast, and if we were playing some kind of bingo game. I think we've said it about three players tonight where we've said there's a player in there. That's great. We're not the club that needs to do that. We've got this brilliant youth academy. Our guys, our young guys, I just wanted to, we'll touch on that on a future podcast. The young guys in the last few years that have been loaned out to other teams, that you know, little starlets that we thought were coming through. We'll do a podcast on that. Let's go and do our research because so many of them haven't ended up coming through, have they? Our production line seems really good up to under 21, but they don't seem to hit the team. Yes, Ramsey has, but it hasn't been too many of those young stars come through, has it? I think that's at every club, though, Paul. There's only one or two come through academies. Like I think Christian Porzo said at the very start, if you're not if you're not making an impact near the first team now by, by 21, 22, they're going to move you on. Like. Oh, definitely, definitely. But it's just it's a bit of a concern. You know, I look at guys that we were really thinking were going to come through. And they've disappeared into the football like ether. Haven't I, I? Just can't even think where half of them are anymore. Yeah, they just they just took Tyreek Wright back from Doncaster and sold them to Plymouth permanently. And that's mm. one done. Um, I think the other thing as well, why they sell players, Paul, that they don't think is going to impact on the first team is that uh, it's a massive edge towards your FFP because yes, it is. Profit. Yes, it is. So, like that's why Grealish's hundred million was so important. Like, but um, I know, I, I know what you're saying because I agree with you, Paul, because there was such a huge focus on the academy for a while there, and uh, you're right, there isn't much coming through. But I just think that's football, isn't it? People are just buying their way to success now and trying to buy, mm. buy, buy, buy. Managers, that, managers that, get so sorry, managers get so little time now. They don't even have time to bet in young players anymore. Like. I think we are so blessed. Um, look, we'll finish this podcast soon. We'll come back to Leeds for a moment. I think we are so blessed to have this manager because if we, in the past, we were relying on the players that we were getting in and then hoping they would do well for the manager. But now we've got, I believe, we've got the manager who's going to set the agenda. Um, and for the first time in many, many years, I see what he's going to try and do. I can I can just feel it. Every little player that comes in is either going to challenge the player in that position or they're going to supersede them. Um, and that is a, can only be a good thing. Agree. Oh, God. What? I mean, it's, where's the alarm bells? You haven't played my alarm bells I know, for ages. I know. I have to do my own. I have to, hey, next pod, I promise you we will. Guys, let's, let's go back to the Leeds game for a moment. I honestly believe it will be, as we said, end to end. But I think we'll win two 0 It'll be, you know, some scary moments there. But I'm confident that our defenders, without Bamford there as well, I just it, Rodrigo is the danger. But I, I think we know that that's going to be the danger, and I, I think we'll win two 0 So over to you, Spud, for your quick thoughts there. It's going to be an entertaining two one. Yeah, but do we win or lose? Yeah, win. Sorry, yeah, sorry. And win. Oh. Yeah, I think we win. Sorry. Thank God. 
<laughs> I was going to say, uh, I should have sat in the fence there. Not two on either way. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do find to win this game. That's just gen- genuine. I do. Rhino, you're going to call a draw because I think that's your uh, go to at the moment. Yeah, I was actually. I've got one all written down here. Um, <laughs> this next run of games, though, is really going to tell us, you know, where this season's going to pan out. I think, you know, we've got a good run coming up. So yeah. I do want to get some wins on the board. But I just know with Leeds, it's always been a tricky game. So I've just. I've just got one all in this one. And uh, over to you, Tess. Uh, um, I think there's goals in this game. I think there's goals in this game. We're playing at home. We need to improve our home form. But I'm going for a 2-2 in this game. I just... I just I'm, I'm, the reason for my pessimism is based on the last performance. However... I shouldn't be because those players that played in that last game are more than likely not going to be start or get minutes in the next game against Leeds. So I think those players should be refreshed. Can I change it? I'll, I'll change it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. Um, like oh, damn it. I wanted you to be different to us. No, but no. Look, it doesn't matter as long as we get a win. So I'll can... give you scorers. Do you want to give you scorers? Uh, yes, please. Yeah, you want the scorers? Scorers are going to be Dougie Louise. You say it every week. Danny Ings is going to get the winner off the bench. I'm going to say Watkins, uh, Watkins and Ings will score. I think we're going to see Camara's first goal for the club. I'm going to go Louise, Louise direct from a corner, as Spud's <laughs> alluded to. Uh, why, don't I, why don't I reverse mine then? It's going to be 2-0 and it's going to be Conza uh, and Mings. <laughs> just, to, just to piss off the 903 people that think I'm a dumb Aussie. Hey, I'll tell well, I tell you what, if I was you, I'd put a few quid in there. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that. The odds would be absolutely astronomical. You go the 2 0 win, you go Conza uh, and Minz as a goal scorer. I reckon you're going to be looking at uh, 70 to Wait, 1. To one. <laughs> if, if if either of those two players score in the, in this game against Leeds, Conza or Mings, I'm buying you pints, one pint per week for the next month. Oh, okay. I'm here. We're going to the German club near the Gabba. It's done. Guys. Yeah, um, I'll any, meet you there at the beer house. Any, yes, absolutely. Guys, any final thoughts before we wrap up this uh, shambolic pot of mine? Because I've made it shambolic, not you boys. No, I don't think it's shambolic. I love this pod. Um, <laughs> um, I really I really enjoyed talking about Aston Villa with, with you guys. And what I also really wanted to say was, the um the traction we're getting from all the people that are listening via Facebook um and also via Twitter, thank you um for for tuning in and listening to us talk about Aston Villa. Obviously, you love Villa as much as we do. Um, keep your questions coming in. Uh, reach out to us if you'd like to. Um, uh, no questions, a stupid question, or your opinion matters to us. So, um, if you if you want us to talk about something, please send us um, some communication so we can discuss it with you. Yeah, there's been, um, I will say that, there's been some absolutely fantastic um, feedback from people and we we do actually really value it. And I, I hope as this podcast grows, we always acknowledge that. So that's well said, Tess. Uh, Spud and Rhino? Yeah, just really enjoying the questions coming in from everyone. And yeah, thanks for listening in. Um, like I said, really looking forward to the rest of January now and to see what Emery can do in the window and see who comes in and who goes and seeing the, the squad take shape for the, the back end of the season. Um, Spud, 
Yeah, just before so. just before we get your comments, yeah. I do like the fact that at one of our potential signings does have the same sponsor that we've got at the moment, but our, our sponsor is going to go to a betting sponsor again, I believe. Yeah, I don't know if that's the full jersey sponsor there at the betting company, I don't think. I, I think it's uh, the sleeve, is it? Oh, yeah. okay. I can yeah. handle a sleeve. I've never enjoyed the betting sponsor on the front of a shirt. I just reckon it looks tacky. Yeah, I know. I think they only um they only got rid of the regulations last year about being at the sponsor on, on the sleeves and Villa have moved into it. I think this is the first big deal they're gonna have out of the sleeves. So okay. from my understanding of what I read the other day, like Well that's good because I just yeah, never never really loved the the massive gambling emblem on the front shirt. Because you go and buy the jersey and I'm like, Yep, bet three six five, here we go. Um so your thoughts, mate, on finishing the pod there? Um one thing I'd like to say is that uh I hope Fulham lose tonight against Chelsea because that will close us in. We're only six points off them. And hopefully we get our three points and then we can really start looking up. That is a great call because generally um, in that game, Spud, I would have gone, I just don't like Chelsea. And I would have, you know, gone, oh, well, hope Fulham pull off a bit of an upset here. But you're right. You've got to look at the table and um, you've changed my morning viewing. Yeah, um, I, I ch- it's a big game for Chelsea too. They're under a lot of pressure. The money they spend, um, Potter's under pressure. I, I hope they don't sack him because he's a good manager, but I think he's going to be out the door if he loses any more of a couple of games. Yeah, huge pressure he, on him at the moment. He was a manager that we would have been talking about, right? Saying like after Gerard, maybe someone like Potter, you know, I would, I would have taken him, no problem. Um, what will probably happen is Chelsea will sack him and he'll probably take over everything. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, so you'll be yeah. coaching, uh, you'll be managing a uh, championship team next year. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we sorry, won't do this for anymore. <laughs> I've got evident friends. I apologise. I'm sorry, Brett. Uh, I know you're listening. Oh, hey, boys, before we go, did you read the reports about Stephen Draft might be taking over the, as the Poland manager? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Him Random. And him and Maddie Cash can give each other a reach around. Can I just say something? Oh my goodness me. <laughs> Can I just say something? Sorry, Dollar, if, 10 year old listeners. If that is true, if that is true, he's finished as a as a club manager. That surely can't be true. It's, it's so weird. Like, Paul Wood's got a decent squad. Why would they be looking at Steven Gerrard? No, I'm just, don't you think though? Like, if you're, yeah, yeah. If you're at this stage of your, your career, you've managed two clubs. You, yeah, you, but... You've taken on the Poland job, so you're going to be a part-time manager, basically, is what that is. Your, you know, your club I, I, career is finished, no, right? No, I don't think it is, because... Um, no, I don't think it is. He, he did a good, did a really good job at Rangers, had a very... Michael Beal did a real good job at oh, Rangers. I know, I know, but still... One of us could do a really good job at Rangers. It's only yeah. <laughs> I get it, I get it, but I'm just... You can only do what you do, right? That's and I why am being disrespectful to Stephen Gerrard. You can only do what you do. So <laughs> he, he had a really good time initially at Rangers. Everyone probably got ahead of themselves because of his name, and he went to Villa. He brought in a few players that didn't work out for us. Going and doing a international manager's job, I think of something like Ange Postacoglu, who went and, you know, he did the Socceroos job and everything like that. And in that time, he said he studied football all over the world so much. He did more of his coaching. He had more time to do his coaching badges and everything. And that's probably what Steven Gerrard will be able to do if he's an international manager. Now, I don't really care because he's a Liverpool man and he managed us, but I, I, I could see him coming back. Well, Poster Cogley's a ha- hands-on 
manager though. Like he's a coach, like he's a hands-on coach. Stephen Gerrard picked the team and everyone else yeah, did the coaching yeah. for him. Oh, look, I, it sounds like I'm a Stephen Gerrard apologist. You, you heard yeah, me why are you apologising for him? I just, <laughs> I just think people can learn and I think going and being an international manager gives him the ability to go and do the actual coaching badges he needs. I think he should retire from, from football and just sit back and be a pundit. I, I, I think it's hilarious. Michael Beale's after rightly screwing him over there, isn't he? He's after taking Rangers' job. He's like, so like Gerard brought uh, Beale and Neil Critchley, and Gerard's the only one without a job now. Critchley's at QPR, and, uh, and Beale is up in Rangers. Yeah, you're right. We should get the violins out for Gerard because it's, uh, you know, he's had a terrible time in life, hasn't he? Horrible but should we, should we say, should, can we just agree, though, he did a great job in bringing Kamara to Dark Club? That was a yeah. fantastic and, job. And, and, and Rory Wilson. And Wilson. Yes, Rory Wilson, and, the young, and the young look, guy. He, he gave us a lot of hope with Coutinho as well. We had a lot of hope. Every single person on this podcast and almost every single supporter, we were thinking, how the hell did we get Coutinho? This is unbelievable. Mm. And, and that's what I think Perslow and so forth, I think they were almost tricked into, you know, Gerard will be able to bring the big names to Villa. Mates rates. Yeah. Yep. Guys, another fantastic podcast. I can't wait for us to talk <laughs> um, after we beat Leeds. Um, boys, any of you up for a few minutes of a Villa Spaces on Twitter straight after the game? Uh, when's, the, what, when's the game? Saturday morning, yep. is it? Saturday morning, 6 o'clock our time, 7 o'clock Rhinos. I yeah, may I can... be available depending on... Um... Yeah, what Claudia is doing at that time of the morning. No, so, I totally yeah. get it. Okay, for any listeners of the pod, I I'll will, be up. We will run a Aussie villains um, Twitter space straight after the game, so come and join in, and um, some of that um, will end up on this podcast as well. So we'll do a ten or fifteen minute post game. Anyone who comes on, I'll invite you in to actually talk, and uh, we'll include some of that on the podcast next week as well. There you go, guys. That was off the cuff, and we'll do that. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's a really good one. Um, I'll be, I, I'm happy to do that. I'll come downstairs because I'll be uh, waking up to watch the game. So I'll come downstairs into this into this room, and after the game, it'll be bright enough. Actually, it gets bright at four thirty here at the moment. So um, I'll be I'll be in for a for a spaces. I haven't done one of those for a long time. No. Well, guys, I will say this. Um, I hope the only horror movie that is seen uh, over the next few days as a villain is Megan, which I'm watching tonight. Uh, so I'm going to head off right now. And boys, up the villa. Up the, up villa. the villa. Up the villa. Hey, um, I'll edit that one in the morning. Hey, Spud, I don't yeah. think I gave you a fair rain tonight, mate. I apologise. I, I feel I didn't give you enough space. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Let's hope we speak to you next week after a win against Leeds. And don't forget you can get us at Aussie Villains on Twitter. Get us at Australian Fans of Villa on Facebook and in our group as well. Get us through the Love Sport podcast on Facebook, on Twitter. You can also get the Love Sport podcast on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, any other format you listen to your podcasts. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast.